Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, July 10th, 2017, 10 a.m. meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 65. We're going to read two paragraphs today, starting with paragraph three at the bottom. We went back through our lives and proceeds over to the first paragraph on page 66 in ends with and with us to drink is to die today's readers are reading the 12 steps sydney s the 12 tradition maggie s reading the text today and support are meg f kathy joe p and jody eq the reference numbers we have one for yesterday which is sunday special edition july 9th that's 10133 10133. And for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting today, Monday, July 10th, that share ID is 10134. 10134. The OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating, and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sydney S. to please read the 12 steps. Star one, please. Good morning. This is Sydney S. from Virginia. Thank you for this opportunity to do service. Here are the steps as adapted for Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as The result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me read. 
thank you, Sydney S. I will now ask Maggie, Maggie S. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Maggie S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Springwater, New York. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express, express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Maggie S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 65, paragraph three, reading through two paragraphs ending on 61. And I will ask Meg F. to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Meg. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. This is Meg F., recovered in California. We went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph, triumph were short-lived. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. 
to the precise extent that we permit these do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to die. So, I'm Megas. And I am, wow. I love the four steps. I've always loved the four step. I've done it for decades. And it has changed a lot. I was trying to even remember my first four-step. Anyway, it was, um, I was so young when I started. It wasn't really about other people except for parents. It was about my own errors. But we went back through our lives and nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. And I remember just feeling like roto-rooter, you know, like I just had to just put everything out there as fast as I could to, to have help with it, and I felt helped, very much helped with it. As I was reading it over the weekend and today to think about sharing, I was um, really hit with sometimes it was remorse. So this was more where I landed. Um, It was more remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. And the more we fought and tried to have our own way, self-centeredness again, I looked at remorse, deep regret, or guilt, or long committed. Um, a lot of it was self-reflection and sort of self-flagellation more than being irritated with other people. Um, and in war, the victim may seem to win moments of triumph or short-lived. And as I skipped down into the next paragraph and hit the part, the sunlight of the spirit, the sunlight of the spirit, you know, that's such a part of my program for 40 years, like, you know, you're shutting yourself off from the sunlight of the spirit, and it always seemed to me that it was unidirectional, like it was God coming towards me, the sunlight of the spirit, and I realized this weekend that when I'm in remorse or feeling bad about myself, or as some wonderful fellow said to me recently, that if I'm feeling badly about myself, I'm being dishonest, like I'm not trusting God, I'm believing the lies I tell myself, I'm not in service, I'm not taking care of other people. So not only am I shutting off the sunlight of the Spirit from God to me, I'm shutting off all of my goodness to others, which is my primary purpose, right? My primary purpose is to be of maximum service. And then, you know, just the simple sentence, the insanity of alcohol returns that we drink again, like just the twist of the thinking that we so understand now from doctor's opinion, the twist of the thinking makes it seem like, oh, that beverage that I know always sort of leads to that other beverage that sort of leads to that. Oh, it's really sort of sugar-free. Oh, it's like one of those, oh, health food moments where I get into that wrong thinking that leads me down the wrong path and the insanity's returned and something is on my back again. And of course, with me, um, to eat is to die and to wake up with that. I was remembering waking up, being sick from food, this last weekend, I was just remembering and just praying, still praying in the morning for people who wake up feeling sick from from food. It's been a long time, and I'm so grateful. And I pray for everybody. And I really appreciate the time for sharing. Thank you. Thank you, Meg F. Now we're going to open up for folks to share on that paragraph on page 65, paragraph 3, and the first paragraph on page 66 of the big book. 
Who would like to discuss those two paragraphs? Star one. Kathleen O. Hi, Kathleen. Devorah S. New Jersey. Hey, Devorah. Gotcha. Thanks. Sylvia F. Katie F. Sylvia F. And Katie F. Anybody else, real quick? Jody. Okay, we got you. it. Oh, gotcha, Jody. Okay, great. Let's go with that. I have Kathleen O. Deborah S. Sylvia F, Katie F, and Jody EQ. You're up, Kathleen. Good morning. Thank you. And good morning, everyone. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And very grateful to be on this line in the morning. So, you know, this is such a wonderful step. I remember when I first started looking at it, I got a little nervous about it. But once I worked it, it, this is where the freedom was for me. Um, a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. So futility, pointless, ineffective, useless. You know, is that how I want to live my life? Not really. Um, this step is about identifying what has kept us in bondage and from the sunlight of the spirit. And holding on to resentments builds a wall. And when I can't allow the sunlight of the spirit to shine through, I'm, I'm truly miserable. So, you know, the resentment, the anger, the self-pity, the fear. I may have had 70 extra pounds on my body physically, but I had about 400 pounds between my ears that I needed to lose. And once I was able to lose that mess between my ears, I got freedom. Um, you know, I didn't want to eat anymore. I didn't need to eat anymore. And... As a compulsive overeater, I can't afford to have resentments because they will build up. And when I replay them over and over in my head and I spend a large part of my day justifying my resentments and anger, finding anyone who will listen and trying to justify my resentments to them, that is to die mentally and spiritually. And so holding on to resentments and trying to get others to see that I'm right, it just doesn't help. And you know, the only thing that would help was to eat. And then I'd have some ease and comfort, some relief for maybe, what, nine seconds if I was lucky. And then I'd have to eat more and keep trying to chase that feeling. So, I mean, it's it's so clear how, what a horrible, this crazy thinking can do. So, you know, and with resentments, I may have been harmed, but the truth is when people harm others, they're really harming themselves. And when I'm harmed, I need to know this person is spiritually sick. I need to accept their humanity, and I need to set aside what they did. And it doesn't mean that what they did is okay, but I can detach. And so my choice is to hold on to the resentment and be unhappy or detach and be useful and be happy. So, you know, I choose being happy over being right. I don't need to be right. And uh, I don't know. I, I I remember this analogy, and I believe, well, I don't believe, I I remember Leah saying it, this analogy of monkeys at the zoo. Um, Their behavior has nothing to do with us, but if they throw a banana, duck. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen O. Devorah S., you're next. 
Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Melanie, and everyone on the line for being here. My name is Deborah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So my whole life I was told that because I'm so overweight and um, fat, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to die. This is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to die if I don't take care of this and lose the weight. So I lost the weight, and, um, and I felt great, you know, but, but I didn't. I didn't get myself freed from the resentment. Um, I didn't do that. And what happened was I was left with many pounds of, of stuff, many pounds of old anger that was there and never explored and I never looked at. And, um, and so I became very restless, irritated, and discontented. And, um, but, you know, honestly, nobody knew that. It was all in my head. And yeah, I might have been lashing out at you and 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 at my family. You know, probably the closest ones, the ones closest and dearest to me. Those are the ones that got the brunt of it, um, because I I didn't face this fact finding mission over here. And um, and you know the thing is that I did go through this. Thank God. And and you know I got to see where I got the ball rolling all the years like why was there so much stuff why was there so much rage why because I saw my part in it and I didn't let go and if I thought that I let go you know I was over and over and over again with it you know it was um you know I I kept on bringing it up um you know and and never like laying it down to peace and letting it down and finishing with it was always there ready to, um, you know, bring out as ammunition. And um, what a freedom today that I don't have to live like that anymore. You know, um, and things come up, um, but, you know, I had that psychic change that I don't have to go into that rage and, 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 and I don't have to prove anything, but I could work the steps. And, um, and then I get to see what my part is in it. And, you know, and, and the truth, you know, I see the, the selfish, the lies I tell myself and the self-seeking behavior and the fear and a lot of it is all, you know, fear-based. But then I also get to see the truth. And what is the truth here? And the truth is, you know, that God always has my back. God is always there for me. And, it, you know, when I get into that moment of, ugh, you know, of, of, you know, what is that? It's that fear that I'm going to be, you know, no one's going to take care of me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be left alone or I'm thinking about what you think about me. And, you know, and my self-worth doesn't come from any of that. I have to always remember that God is with me and God has my back and, and he will never forsake me. And just as God is not angry with me all the time when I do something, you know, that's how I have to be. You know, I have to try to live in the image of God. And that is a lifelong process, and which I'm grateful that I, I, I want to do today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah S. Sylvia S. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for your service. And so happy, as always, to be on the line with all of you, uh, Sylvia F. in Northern California. So um, like uh, many of you, I got into program, uh, I think that maybe it was around 13 or 14 years ago. And uh, I did the step one, two, three shuffle. And, um, and, and I got some relief. I was able to follow a food plan and I lost a lot of weight pretty quickly. 
And um, and yet, you know, it was, it was a year or two later, and uh, I went into a meeting, and I was sobbing because I didn't want to work at my job anymore. I didn't want to, these people were terrible. And I, I literally was like, I don't think I can work there anymore. Of course, we needed the money, and my husband was going to shoot me. And I went into a meeting, and uh, this wise woman 20, 30 years younger than me, looked at me quietly and looked over the top of her glasses and said, have you done your fourth step yet? I was like, well, no. So I went to do my fourth step. And what happened is when we're talking, so this is, this is how it worked for me early on at that, at that weekend. I did the fourth step that weekend. And I finally could see that even though I had deep resentments towards my uh, colleagues, and and some of them were deserved. I mean, it, it, some it was an outrageous time at our workplace. I could finally see my part, and that and that was you know that's the hope of maintenance and and growth of the spiritual experience. I could see my part because if I could only see their part, I was screwed, right? And so when I got into the resentment, what I found is that most of my resentment, if I really dug down, was out of shame. And so I find that, yes, resentment is that top layer, but shame is that I'm sure I'm not good enough and sure I'm a fraud. And so I do everything. I was doing everything to make sure that nobody could see who I was. And what this, it says here, the insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. So if I don't keep that, all those emotions like resentment and shame clear, I need to eat. And I'm not even aware of it. So that's the connection that this paragraph is trying to make um, for me is that I have to, I have to like pull apart all of these threads of these crazy thoughts of shame and resentment. And I and own my stuff, give it up. So and that is that psychic change. It's it's changing how I think and how I act, because otherwise I go back to the food. And so this step, and I'll uh, wind up here. This step was so critical. And when I did the step, I immediately got neutrality around food. Then I had to continue the step so I could maintain that neutrality. But this is where a lot a lot of my recovery came from. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia F. Katie F. Star one, Katie F. Yes, I'm sorry. Good morning. This is Katie F, a recovered compulsive overeater. Let me just get my timer going here. Um, So I love this section, and um, it says, there's, I mean, this whole, these two paragraphs are just so good, the whole thing, but it's a plain that, it is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. So I came into these rooms initially when I was 14, came back when I was 21, and now I'm um, rapidly approaching 57. So, you know, when I came in at 21 or even 14, my resentment was towards my dad who left my mom when I was eight and I hardly ever saw him. But, you know, I could get rid of that resentment. I, I, I 
feel like I fully got rid of that resentment or just accepted him, um, you know, much later in life, uh, somewhat when I was 28, and he, but even more, unfortunately, upon his death, I, I felt sorry for him by that point in my life that, you know, we didn't have a relationship and, and held it in neutrality. But, but then, you know, I'm continuing to work this program. I'm continuing to do this one day at a time, because if, if all I had to do was get rid of that one resentment towards that one individual in my life, you know, why would I need this program for the rest of my life? But the fact is I run into people every single day and everybody, there's just someone always that I could be resentful at, whether it's the perfect person, you know, driving 35 in a 45 mile zone, or it's the person you know, tailing me when I'm going 50 in a 45-mile zone. I mean, there's always something, something, something going on, and the only uh, dominating factor is me. I'm the one who has to change. I'm the one who has to um, accept that life is gray. Yes, my program is black and white. I, you know, I have very clean food and very clean way I live, but people are going to be people. And I've had to learn one day at a time through working these steps over and over and over again in different situations in my life that I am the one who has to keep changing. And it doesn't matter if the other person doesn't ever change. I change, and therefore my um, ability to act on life instead of react to it, which is a promise um, that we get through working these steps, comes true that you know no longer do I live you know for weeks months years decades with a resentment towards something you know that happened when I was a child or something that happened you know (laughs) 10 or 20 years ago Um, and that's the thing that is so great about working these steps is that we get to keep um, refining how we live and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. Jody EQ. Thank You're you, next. Melanie. Thank you. This is Jody EQ, grateful, recovered, anorexic, bulimic, and compulsive overeater in California. So it is apparent that a light, let me see, let me get my place here in the book. It is apparent that this world and its people were often quite wrong. Wow, this really strikes me today because I can still go to this place. Even though I have worked these steps and forgiven the people in my life, I can still uh, find the world to be quite wrong. And to conclude that others were wrong can be as far as I get if I do not stay vigilant and uh, refuse to let myself go there. Because when I do, I shut off. I do indeed shut off the sunlight of the spirit. It's, it's easy to, to look around and see, you know, just look at the news and see distressing things in the news, all kinds of bad news. Um, how can I not be resentful about that or scared about that? I have to go to my higher power, really, 
and choose instead to look for the good, to look for the good in the world rather than focus on what I don't like about it. And that is an ongoing challenge for me uh, that I have to take to my higher power regularly. Six and seven, am I entirely ready to have God remove this defect of character, which is to focus in on the negative? Am I willing to humbly ask him to remove this shortcoming? So for me today, it's not so much about any one person as about humanity, the, the evils that I see humanity committing in the world. And um, that's even more serious for me than the resentments against my father, my husband, my whatever that I have gotten over. So thank you for being there for me and for helping me um, remember this, how important this is and how, imp- how devastating it is to stay stuck in that focus on what I don't like in the world. It gets me nowhere and it, it just gives me a life of futility and, and unhappiness. So thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Jody EQ. We're studying the directions for the four-step work and the examples there. On page 65, we're continuing with that on paragraph 3, and then paragraph 1 on page 66. That's what our study and discussion is today. Who would like to continue with this, the discussion this morning? Shawnee. Ginger C. Shauna? Is that what I heard? Yeah, Shawnee. Shawnee. Okay, thank you. And, and Ginger, I heard you, I think? Yep. Great, Sherry K B. Sherry K B. John K. John K and somebody L. Reggie O Reg- is what I think I was not yeah, I got it, I think. Now I recognize the voice then there for a second. Anybody else after Reggie? Okay, good, we got it. We got Shawnee B, Ginger C, Sherry K B, John K and Reggie O. Hi Shawnee. Hi, this is Shawnee B grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. You know, I, I always thrived on drama. I couldn't understand how, you know, my husband would say to me all the time, like, why are you interested in arguing with everybody that you come across? And I thought I was completely normal. Like, I thought he was completely abnormal. Like, I'm right. So they should know it. I'm right. And, you know, that's, that's like the, the first column, um, first and second columns of the resentment inventory to, to say that the other people have harmed me or that the other people were wrong were as far as I got. I couldn't, I couldn't see where my part was because I was so blocked up. I was so stuffed up. And, you know, the food kept my mind in such a fog that I couldn't possibly see how anybody else can have a say, can have an opinion, can think differently than me. And, um, you know, through doing my fourth step, it really humbled me. It really showed me that you don't have to be right. You don't have to always be right. Don't you want to be peaceful? And that is really what I wanted. I mean, I came, I came into program because the food was just overwhelming me. I couldn't, I couldn't control it. I tried so hard to control it, and I just couldn't. Day after day, I would say, that's it. Enough is enough. I'm not eating. You know, look how this is harming me, my body, my mind. I knew it was messing up my mind, but I couldn't get out of it. I didn't know what to do. 
and the wisdom in this fourth step to bring me to this place that I can I can really see my part in it to humble myself to realize that I'm no better than anybody else and you know on that same token other people are not any better than me we're all just trying to get through this thing called life as best as we can and I can you know I can go in that in that manner and and feel and you know and and feel sorry for somebody who can't necessarily have peace in their life and I don't have to contribute to the drama that's something that I learned I don't need to be part of the drama it can happen around me if somebody is not talking to me directly it's none of my business I don't have to comment at all even if I think I'm right it doesn't matter what matters is that I can be at peace today and that's what I'm looking for thanks for letting me share I'll pass thank you Shawnee B Ginger C you're next star one Star one, Ginger, please. Oh, I'm sorry. So sorry, Melanie. I had the mute button on the phone and the star one. So uh, I'm here Double now. Percent. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. This is Ginger C. Recovered in Colorado. And um, ah, this stuff just gets me so emotional. So I'm just looking at the top of... 66, it says to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. And then it says it is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. And then for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit and the insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. And I'm just sitting here and I'm so grateful to my sponsor for always asking me, how free do you want to be? And no wonder I kept eating every beautiful bite that I had to take because I had probably one of the greatest resentments in my world. And it was dominating me. And I couldn't even see it. So again, this fourth step is all about freedom. It is so worth it. The thoroughness, the honesty, let me see my truth, God. Help me to get back to you because that's the power that I lack that's going to help prevent me from going back and eating again. And the guidance of the sponsor... Sorry to get so emotional, but I had such pain in my heart for my mom. When I was five, she left me, and she's an alcoholic, and that resentment never left me. And, you know, that's what we do. I'm drinking the poison, waiting for her to die. And then I'm hurting you because I'm going to alienate my affection. My heart's going to close off. I can't trust, and I don't want to be hurt again. And because of this amazing work and these clear-cut directions, my sponsor made it so clear that I had to make amends to this mom of mine. It was infinitely grave. If I didn't, I would die. And, of course, I would eat those bites again. That pain was so deep within me. So I am so tremendously in debt to this book, to build, to all of you and this sponsor that guided me because I had never made amends. I had been in therapy for years. I thought I had this place taken care of because of all the years I spent with this therapist. And God blindsided me and God put me in connection with this mom and made it so clear that I had work to do. 
And I did this work. I did this nine-step work. After 15 years of not talking to her, I called and picked up the phone and made that amends. And today my heart's free. And my heart's been shifted. And I have... I have compassion and love in my heart today from this mom that I've hated my whole life. Because how does a mom leave a child? How does a mom not love their child? So this is life-saving stuff. And of course I kept relapsing and eating the food. It was too much. But now I have this power, and a power that is so profound. And I get every day to just continue to work with this connection by doing this amazing work. So if you're struggling, get into this work. Be thorough. Be honest. Be willing to go to any lengths for victory. Because it's what are your choices? To eat and blot it out the best you can and continue to hurt those around you? Or to say, no, it's enough. I'm done. Just put the food down. Let today's pain be enough pain. Don't take it down to the bottom of the elevator shaft. Get off now. Get off at the fourth floor. It's all into action. And what happens, the changes are miraculous. So again, I just feel so much gratitude and I will always be in debt to this meeting and this convention that God got me to that saved my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Sherry KB. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Um, thank you so much for your service and love hearing the meeting this morning and just feeling a lot of gratitude. Um, you know, first I would just like to say that this, these paragraphs just so speak, speak to me and speak to the truth of my disease and what I've done. And, you know, I thought my food was the problem, but what was in between my ears was the real problem, and I, I didn't know that. And I kind of treated the, the problems in my head like the food. You know, I just, I just ruminated in it. And, um, you know, for me, um, I didn't realize how much resentments were killing me. And we've got words here like fatal, infinitely grave, and that we'll die if we don't deal with these resentments. <clears throat> And I know that, um, oops. so, um, yeah, and it says a life which includes deep resentment. So in other words, there's other resentments besides the deeper ones, and uh, it only leads to futility and happiness for me. And this spoke to me when it said that uh, we, 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 were, we fought and tried to have our own way. The worst matters got. And, you know, I wasn't the type that verbally did things um, outwardly, it was all inside. Everything went on inside, all the resentments that I held on to, all the thinking that I thought of situations that I blamed others for. And, you know, all the previous four steps I did, I never really looked at my part. I I justified my behavior, um, you know. I wrote a, like a, a story about my life, but I never really got to that fourth column, the fourth column that would change my life, as it has doing it this way this last year when I did it. And, you know, I just, I had no idea how much, you know, for me, holding on to resentments or like eating glass. Um, it just, it kills me. Um, and when I hold on to something and I don't let it go, but in these 
in this book and the directions and with my higher powers help, I learned to let these things go that I thought I was going to take to the grave with me. And you know what? I, I was, I was, they were taken away by my higher power because I can't do it. I know that about myself. I can't do this alone. I can't do it without my higher power. Um, I have a choice here. I can either uh, stay connected to the sunlight of the spirit or stay in resentment because I can't have both. And I can't, that's what I've learned and I keep on learning about, you know, when I do this work and I continue to do the work because I live in step 10 and, and step 10 is, is a many four through nine. And I just, I, I just love this work because I have seen such results incredible results that have changed me and changed my thinking and it starts here it starts right here it starts starting in that first second and third column and the fourth column is going to change your life if you'll allow it to and i know that i didn't have to do this alone because when i was doing this i wasn't alone i had my higher power with me and uh, i got to call others and talk to them about how they did their fourth step and just because if we don't do this we will return back to the food, and uh, I never want to go back there again. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. John Carey, you're next. Good morning. This is uh, John Kiernan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. Thank you, Melanie, and everybody at uh, Team Monday. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, lines in a couple of my favorite pages is uh, 132, 133, where it says, if newcomers can see no joy in our existence, they wouldn't want it. Well, I sort of can take that same thing and say, you know, if newcomers couldn't see the value of the fourth step, they probably wouldn't want it. And it's so important that I spend a lot of time impressing to my sponsees how important this step is and how much better they will feel and how much better a life they'll lead when they work through the step process. It's so hard to talk to newcomers. They, they just want to diet. They don't understand. But, you know, especially this this one sentence that talks about life, which includes deep resentment, leads only to futility and unhappiness, especially the unhappiness. That, that happened to me, you know, and they promised me in this book, I'll be happy, joyous, and free. But, you know, this fourth step is where I start building the road to that place. You know, I, I the reality, when I look back, near, you know, in years since then, you know, the reality is that people stepped on my toes all the time and do to this day. But in those days, I amplified those palms into huge creepers. You know, meanwhile, I'm totally oblivious to the toes, toes I step on, or I use those amazing powers I came into this program. I had amazing powers of rationalization and justification to minimize them, you know. And, uh, you know, luckily, this is where step four starts to come in. I always say to sponsors, there are 12 steps. There are individual discrete steps. There's no such thing as step four or five. <laughs> you know, there's a step four and then step five. And it's so important that for me, step four was to get stuff out for me to look at. And I always tell sponsors, never do a fourth step with an eye on who you're going to give it to. You don't have to give it to a sponsor. Give it to a clergyman, a therapist, anybody you feel comfortable with. But you can't be censoring yourself. And why? Because I need to get this out so that I can start looking at my part in things and consider my character defect. Because if I don't start working on them, I will eat again at the eat is die, as they say. And and the hardest thing is, is for eaters to aggress that eat is to die, you know. Now to me I can say at least with the with the food, maybe that death wouldn't have been an actual death, not the right way, it would have been short my life. 
but that life of the living dead that many of us isolated eaters live, you know, get up, go to work, come home, draw the blinds, dive into the food, watch TV, go to bed, get up, do that whole thing over again. And I don't want that life today. It's, it's, I have a big life and I want it to stay big. Uh, but, you know, as I was told in my first program, the same person will drink again. And I absolutely believe that. I believe the same person will eat again. Even if I have years of abstinence, if I don't clean out this wound I had, the clock is ticking on me picking up again. And I know I've seen this over the years. Whenever there's somebody who went out after a decent amount of time, they had one thing in common. They didn't, they failed to enlarge their spiritual condition, you know. And the thing about that is, once I cleared out that garbage and cleaned out that wound, I was able to much better make the connection with the higher power, which I had so much garbage between me and that, I couldn't get to that sunlight of the spirit. And today I am there, and I just keep working. And part of that is being willing to really look at yourself and deal with that. And as a result, things will, will be building that road toward that life that's happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, John. Reggie O, you're next. Hi, thanks, Melanie, and everybody who's on the line this morning. This is Reggie O in the Los Angeles area and very gratefully recovered today. And, uh, boy, these are just it's amazing what's in just these two paragraphs. And, um, you know, when I <clears throat> I don't hardly even know where to start here, but, you know, looking at um, – to conclude that others were wrong. You know, I yeah, certainly. I've had a lot of conclusions about all of the people that were wrong in my life and how I had been wronged and the institutions and this and that. And you know, and one of the things that just over time uh, has grown for me, and, you know, I've done the steps multiple times, but what in the last couple of times what I learned was that a lot of other people being wrong came from my own uh, hidden belief from myself that I was wrong, you know, that there was something wrong with me. And I learned that, you know, I've quit. I, I just never was able to, I never felt worthy enough, I think, to really uh, stand on my, you know, my own two feet and walk in the world uh, as someone who uh, deserved to live a good life and to have all of the things that, you know, God had uh, presented for me. So I was, real, you know, but it took me a long time to get to that point to realize that it was, I guess it's the, you know, the futility of the, the futility of the deep resentment and the futility of the shame, you know, of who I am. And I, the last, last two times I worked the steps, I thought, oh, this is so hard. I just don't want this person to know who I am. You know, it's like, how can I share someone? I go to, obviously I choose someone I deeply respect. And, and feel like has good recovery. But, you know, when I get these things, you know, these deep resentments, this shame about myself, the whatever, however it comes out, uh, what I hear is someone saying, oh, yeah, you know, uh, and I've had both, you know, sponsors share things with me. I hear people share things with me. It's like, are you serious, you know? Before, now I just, I know I take that for granted and it's a really wonderful thing. I'm, yeah, this is this. I'm not the only person, you know. It's not that I'm wrong, and no one else in the world has had my, you know, experiences like mine. But you know, I find that out when I when I share and when I listen, when I open up my heart, you know, to other people. And I, it's, um, you know, it's a that relationship with God and with other people that that these step process takes us through. And this clearing out is so essentially important because I can. 
you know, I can want that relationship with God and have some kind of relationship with God and other people, you know, but if I am not cleared out of the distortions in my thinking, which lead to the distortions in my living and being with people, then, you know, there, it, it's not going to be like a real connection. I, I might, you know, it might look that way, but it doesn't feel that way. So, you know, I continue, thank you, being alone. And I'm just so grateful, you know, so very grateful to have this this process and this this step. Thank you, Reggie O. Time will allow for a two-minute share. Would somebody like to take that? And that will wrap up the discussion portion of our Big Book study today. Leslie W. You got it, Leslie. You're on. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you letting me give service today. This is Leslie W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. I want to talk a little bit about uh, it's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours? I have been, I'll tell on myself because it's a good way for me to keep humble. Um, I have uh, been allowing myself to, uh, I have been permitting myself to hold on to some resentment this week. And I can tell you as a recovered person that I can see um, how it's affected me. And I've just come to a place, actually, um, that resentment started to lift this morning because I heard these words. And I realized uh, I just got down on my knees and surrendered it because for me um, that resentment really is is rooted in selfishness and I know that um, when I allow that selfishness to take over and I hold on to that resentment that I am not useful to anybody and not only am I not useful to anybody but I have blocked myself off from my God And not only have I blocked myself off from my God, but I have also made myself miserable. And I don't like feeling that way. You know, and so today I'm just so thankful that through this program and through these action steps, I have been able to see when I harbor that resentment, I can identify it, and I know what to do to get rid of it. Thank God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leslie W. Thank you so much. And that concludes this particular portion of our discussion meeting. Thank you to everyone that shared today. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164. And we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Will Kathy Jo please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Melanie. This is Kathy Jo P., a recovered compulsive reader in Minnesota. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past, give freely of what you find, and join us. 
we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.